0: And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> it's not fair. You've heard these words before, haven't you? A child crying out over a sibling getting more food, more TV, supposedly a better toy, or getting to stay up later. It's not fair. They cry, demanding some sort of justice. They want you to correct that which is supposedly wrong. And yet this cry of injustice isn't just limited to children, is it? It comes from those who are older as well. And more than likely, you've spoken these same words yourselves. The student who works hard, writing papers, putting together projects, studying for tests, likely cries out, it's not fair, upon finding out that the student who didn't work hard received the same grade. Or the employee who shows up on time, works hard, often late, in order to get those projects in on time. They likely cry out, it's not fair, upon finding out that their coworker, who isn't dependable, receives the same bonus. We live in a world where payment or reward is given according to services rendered. You work hard for what you get. You expect to be treated fairly. And anything that goes against this mindset is considered unjust, not right, unfair. Upon receiving payment for their labor, it's not fair, is essentially the cry of those first workers in the gospel for this day. And how did it get to that point? Was their cry of injustice valid? Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for denarius a a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now so far, nothing that Jesus says appears to be unfair or strange or odd, does it? Simply put, this man owns a vineyard, and he needs workers to prune, till, the soil, or harvest grape. And so going out in the morning, he goes into the marketplace in order to bring laborers into this vineyard. In talking to these individuals, they agree upon a denarius, a day's wage. Now notice, there's no malice. There's no objection to this amount. Understanding this arrangement and agreeing to it, everything appears fair. There's no complaint. As the day goes on and there's still more work to do, the master of the house goes out again at 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m. in order to gather more workers. To those standing idle, unoccupied, standing around, the master says to them, you go into the vineyard too. Now, notice the difference between these individuals in the first group. Well, there's no specified agreement. The master simply says to the second group, and supposedly the third and the fourth group, whatever is right, I will give you. These workers have faith that they won't be cheated, that they'll receive a just, a right, a fair wage. For their labor. Now it's at this point in our text where Jesus' words begin to surprise us. With only an hour remaining in the workday, the vineyard owner went out, found others standing. And he says to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. Now, who would do such a thing? Why would anyone hire an individual for an hour? By the time they get into the vineyard and start working, the day will be likely over. And yet, in utter generosity, the master calls these individuals into his vineyard. And more than likely, they too will receive a wage that is just and right and fair for their work. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages. Can you see this? Covered in dirt and grape juice cuts and bruises and sunburns of various degrees, these laborers line up to receive their payment. And beginning with the last up to the first, this is how the master of the vineyard had ordered them to line up. And when those hired at the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Can you believe it? A day's wage for an hour's work. Now you could call the master's actions here generous if you like, but I think a better word for this would be reckless, careless. What one of you who's concerned about income, expenses, the bottom line, would do such a thing? None of us would. And yet this master's actions continue. He gives a day's wage to those who worked three hours, six hours, and nine hours. Now you can almost sense the excitement building for those who were hired first, can't you? Seeing the master's generosity with those who worked fewer hours, they could sense a nice payday was coming. Since that, of course, would be fair, right? They had borne the burden of the entire day. They were likely covered in more sweat and grape juice, more sunburns and cuts and bruises than those other workers. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. In other words, they cried out, That's not fair. That's not right. Equal pay for equal work. And according to worldly standards, this isn't fair. And yet, Jesus' words are not a description of how things are to work in the world. Jesus' words are a description on how things work in the kingdom of heaven. Remember what Jesus says. The kingdom of heaven is like this parable that you just heard. The parable of the vineyard owner reveals a truth that's near and dear to, To what we believe and teach and confess as Christians. And that is salvation by God's grace alone. The undeserved love of God for Christ's sake. The owner in the vineyard is none none other than Christ himself. In leaving his heavenly vineyard, he comes into the world's marketplace in order to rescue us from sin and death. And through the proclamation of gospel, the proclamation of his crucifixion, death, and resurrection, you have been brought into the vineyard. The vineyard of his church. And for each of us, this takes place at different points in our lives. Having been baptized as an infant and remaining in the church till today, maybe you were brought into the vineyard early in the day. Maybe throughout the first part of your life, you stood idly by, indulging in the passions of the flesh. However, by God's grace, you were brought into into his vineyard later in the day. Maybe you're like the last worker who was brought into the vineyard at the 11th hour. Like the thief on the cross was. Now no matter the case. Christ is the one who sought you. you. He's the one who found you dead in your sins. And apart from any work of yours. He graciously brought you into the vineyard of his church. Through the proclamation of his word. It's. What we just sang, salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Good works cannot avert our doom, they help and save us never. Faith looks to Christ alone, who did for all the world atone. He is our one Redeemer. Now while we're saved by grace alone, grace is never really alone. What I mean by this is God's grace always produces in us the desire to do good works. Good works are necessary in that they follow faith. They follow God's grace. Consider what happened to the people once they were graciously brought into the vineyard. They didn't sit around, did they? No, they worked. And so it is for us Christians. As the master of the vineyard would have given the workers various tasks of planting, watering, hoeing, pruning. Likewise, God places us in various vocations. Pastors or hearers. Government officers or citizens. Husbands or wives. Sons or daughters. Parents or children. Employer, employees. And in these various vocations, we live out our faith in love toward God, and love toward neighbor. By His grace alone, we serve our neighbor with the gifts that God has given to us. And while this work in God's vineyard isn't always easy, enduring pain and suffering in this life, we labor in joy and hope, knowing that the master of the vineyard is generous, that he'll provide us with everything that we need. And that, in fact, we're not alone. But we labor alongside brothers and sisters in Christ. And therein lies the danger, the temptation. The temptation for each one of us is to take our eyes off of the generosity of the Master and to look upon the other laborers in the vineyard. Our sinful flesh tempts us to evaluate, to compare ourselves to other people, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. It tempts us to uh, elevate ourselves above others by imagining that we're more important, that we're more deserving because we've labored longer, because we've endured and suffered more than they have. And then when we see various blessings in their lives, we begin to grumble, complain, declaring, it's not fair. Whether it's in the family, or in the workplace, or in the church, comparative Christianity is always a deadly thing. To declare to God, that's not fair, that's not right, will only leave you outside of the vineyard of God's church. Consider what the vineyard owner said to those who were hired first. Friend, I am not doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? Fellow redeemed, in the face of these words of condemnation, let us repent, lest we suffer a similar fate. For what is fair, what is right is exactly what we confessed this morning and every Sunday. That we're deserving of temporal and eternal death. Because of sin, death is the just, the right, the fair punishment for your sins. You deserve no good thing in this life and in the life to come. And that's what is fair. And yet, despite your sin, God is good. He's merciful. He's gracious. He isn't fair. Yet, how can this be? If there was ever anyone who had the right to complain, who had the right to file a grievance with his manager and declare this isn't fair, it's Jesus. As the sinless one, It wasn't fair that he should bear your sins. It wasn't fair that the Lord of life should die in your place. And yet, in love, he did so willingly. He didn't seek equal pay for his labor. He seeks to give what's his. His righteousness. His forgiveness. His life to those who crucified him. He humbled himself to be the lowest so that you could be promoted in the presence of our Lord. And in all of this, he didn't grumble. Your salvation was his greatest joy and delight. Nothing pleased him more and he did it without counting the cost. Fellow redeemed, you have every reason To rejoice that God isn't fair. And that he doesn't give you what you deserve. You're saved by grace alone. Through his word and sacrament, he brought you into the vineyard of his church. And the forgiveness and the life and the salvation that comes with it, he gives it to you freely. So go ahead. Take it. He's paid for it with his precious blood. Is he not allowed to do what he wishes with the things that are his? By no means. And while there's certainly work to do in the Lord's vineyard, it all flows from faith in the grace of God. He's freed you from the burden of your sin, so that you may love and serve one another, so that you may go and forgive as you have been forgiven. And when evening comes, that is the last day, and the wages are paid, you'll rejoice eternally in the Master's generosity. He makes you all equal, joining you to the one who bore the burden of the day, the burden of the day of judgment since christ has full atonement made and brought to you brought to us salvation each christian therefore may be glad and built on this foundation your grace alone dear lord i plead your death is now my life indeed for you have paid my ransom unfair unfair Is our Lord and Master unfair? God be praised that for Christ's sake, he is unfair. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.